My name is Risa Carlson. I'm chair of the guitar department at Levine School of Music, a community music school in Washington, D.C. We have about 300 guitar students in the guitar department uh, and 11 teachers. Our students range in age from three and a half to adults, and uh, we asked our students to submit questions for Manuel Barueco anonymously, and I've collected them here today. Um, did you have any musical heroes as a kid? When I, when I was a kid, even younger than when I started playing, I loved the uh, the Mexican, uh, those, you know, I guess it's charro music, which is you know the guys with the on the horses with the big hats and and the guns and and you know when when I when I was a kid if you see any photographs of me uh, when I was a kid I was always dressed either as a cowboy or as a Mexican I don't know if Chandra is the one but you know what I mean the big huge hat and yeah. you know, the horses and and uh, and I do remember like listening to, to to the radio to to these Mexican songs you know and just being. Being totally fascinated by, by that, I just loved it. But, but it wasn't only listening; it's also the images of them, and, and I would watch the movies, you know. And, and, but basically, I wanted a hat, I wanted boots, I wanted two guns. <laughs> you wanted you the accessories. Yeah, and some sort of plaid shirt, you know. That that was. But it was really kind of. I was really, I was really fascinated with that. How about in guitar? Did you have any specific to guitar? In, at that time in, in Cuba, people had stopped going there. Segovia used to go there prior to, to Castro taking over. And after that, it was, um, Brower was really the biggest, uh, um, idol I had. You know, there were a number of people that would come and play. I mean, mostly, you know, Barreiro, Elias Barreiro, who actually, he played a huge role in my actually ending up playing, uh, classical guitar. Because there was a man in the neighborhood. That I lived that, that had heard me play, and Barreiro had come into town to play a concert. And I remember somebody knocking on the door and opened the door, and it was this this man. Damien was his name, and, and he said he wanted me to play for somebody. So I went over and met Barreiro, and he and he encouraged my father also to for me to to play. And and my father also told me that he made it clear it was there was this was nothing political because at the time everything continues to be all political. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, there were also no records around, so I remember somebody lending me a, uh, a Segovia recording. <laughs> Funny enough, one this is a, a, an LP, mm-hmm. uh, which for me is one of uh, it's a classic recording. And funny enough, in one side it's a Dennis and Alice. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny that years later, you know, you know, I, I became known a lot for that, you know. So also one one day watching television, you know, I, I uh, the there was this program, concert program on television, and they presented this guy who who had just come from studying in the U.S. and a guitarist, is and you know, young man returning from the U.S. and he was Lil Brown, and before I knew it, he was in my hometown playing for us, and he and I was playing for him, and he became my my, my idol. I mean, I was impressed in every way, shape and form. I mean. You know, I never seen somebody in television and then see them in real life. He was nice to me. Whenever he came into town, we would get together at my teacher's house and you know, we, would, we would play for him and he would play for us. And 
And I remember one time that I was not able to go because I, I was sick, and he called me at home, you know, to, to say he was sorry, and you can imagine how that felt to me. Yeah, I remember being in a concert, a choir concert, and sitting next to him, and I'm thinking I was, you know, was here and sitting with my idol, you know, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it was so special to, to have that. And he, again, he comes into a town, you know, he was a pretty eccentric figure at the time, he still is. And also he comes in with this, I don't know if it was wife or fiancé or girlfriend or whatever at the time. Her name was Yolanda Brito, who was actually, was a famous, you know, popular singer, you know, I mean, what I would see all the time in television singing, you know. And so it was just a whole thing, just, you know, we played for him. And I heard that he had said something like, you know, the ugly one with the big head, you know, like, watch out for it. <laughs> Yeah, to be oh, fair, <laughs> yeah, to be fair to him, I'm, I'm not, I'm not so sure that, he, you know, I don't even know if he really said that, but that was a, the way some charming person relayed the story to me. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> when did you decide that you wanted to become a professional musician? I don't remember deciding that. It's sort of like what I was going to do. You know, so I, I don't remember ever thinking, you know, I'm going to do this later on in life. You know, uh, when you begin to have problems, you know, and you begin to grow up and have adult problems and so on, or adolescent problems, I do remember going through through periods of wondering if I would if I would if I would do it, if I was going to do it, you know. So, uh, but as I don't remember the time that uh, I, I told myself, you know, this is what I'm going to do, which is that's just what I was going to do. Did you ever think what you would do if you didn't become a classical guitarist? In uh, as far as what I would like to do, yes, that doesn't mean it would have happened. I mean, you know, I, and I think my my other passion when I was a kid was baseball, but I um, I'm not physically talented that way. I mean, I, I don't I don't think I would have gone past you know the block. You know? <laughs> okay. Never mind going into no. I just didn't. I don't have a talent for that. But that was your other. Oh yeah. When you were a kid. Oh yeah, baseball. I mean, I, I adore baseball. I mean, I adore baseball. I, I mean, I would listen to every game, and, and I would go to games even by myself. And I tell people sometimes that, that, that even when, when we came to the U.S., there was one year with the Yankees that I either heard or, or watched on television or went to, like, every game with the Yankees. And that's like 160-some games, you know. So I just, I, I adored it, you know what I mean? Um, so I have some questions now about practicing. From our students. So, what is your approach to practicing? Very general question. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be difficult, but can it, can it be a little more specific? Um, I'll try to sort yeah. of guess what the student was thinking. Um, I guess how how do you approach practicing? Okay. What do you do when you practice? Okay. Well, I will say the general thing is, uh, I guess, I guess, I'm sort of making this up, but. But I guess there are probably two aspects. One is to, to, to keep my hands in shape and, and to uh, to actually keep refining my technique, you know. And I guess the, the other aspect, which is dealing with the um, with the pieces that I need to play. Right now, for example, it, it's kind of like a, uh, it's a toggling act. Because I have, um, in the next two or three months, I mean, I have more than one program to play. So I have... Uh, I think three concertos, and I just happen to play another one, and I have the program with the, the string quartet as well, and and also I'm going to be doing about 20 minutes of some trios as well. So it's a lot for me, 
So what I what I do now, for example, is I divide the time and I give each set of repertoire, I assign it a certain amount of time. Some of them I'm actually learning, some of them I'm fingering, but I give it a certain amount of time, and then every once in a while I, I, I uh, evaluate how things are developing, and I may assign different amounts of time again. You know, as, as some of the things get closer, then I will concentrate more on that. But that's also like time management, and it has to do even even if you are a conductor. I mean, you have to to you have to know how to to use your time, you know, in a rehearsal. But anyway, in a more more, ba more basic ways, keeping my hands in shape is, is practicing the pieces, and the pieces it means that in that it means uh, making sure that well memorized, making sure that um, technical problems have been solved, you know, or some in the, in the technical problems sometimes is some of them require just like drilling the repetitions of certain passages some some sometimes it's it's just knowing how to do it just to, to be able to remember how to do it when the time comes you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's, it's like i know if i think or if i think of the passage in a certain way if i don't do certain things it comes out so part of the practice can be just to remind myself of, of that but obviously, that kind of thing, all, all you have to do is maybe once or twice, and that's it. And to be doing it two months before doesn't mean that, doesn't going to help you much in terms of a concert. That's probably closer to the concert time, mm -hmm. that you want to, you know, begin to remind yourself of all these things. Um, it's looking, for example, sorry, it's looking, for example, things also in my technique, tension in my technique, you know. Uh, making sure I'm not falling into many bad habits. Sometimes I find myself that, that I've fallen into bad habits. Mm -hmm. um, like what? Like mostly, mostly I would say trying to achieve things through tension instead mm -hmm. of relaxation. It's, it's just forcing the thing by repetition instead of by financing your, your way around a problem. You stop thinking. It becomes more rushed work, more imperative just to get it done now. Somebody was mentioning that, for example, when you, you are like an orchestral player, you play under a lot of stress because you're often playing things that you don't know that while you're reading. And that this can be a problem, and a lot of them end up having, you know, playing problems because of that, because of the constant the constant stress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a constant stress of playing without without breathing, you know, without taking your time, you know, without you know mm -hmm. taking time to see what you're doing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah? yeah, it does. It does. Um, how much did you practice when you were younger? And how much do you practice today? You mean the younger, like... When you were first learning, when you were... Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. There were, I didn't have a schedule of practice, you know, so I, I don't know. Uh, now I practice uh, I practice four hours. And now you have a schedule? Oh, yeah, yeah. Four, four hours of actual time with the instrument, plus breaks and everything. So that could, could easily take me six hours. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do the six hours straight anyway, I mean... Usually what I do is I do a couple of hours with breaks and then, you know, break in the day and then the other couple of hours with breaks as well. Mm -hmm. um, do you practice every day? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately? Yeah. It's not a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I, th I think, um, okay, let me, let me rephrase that. <laughs> I'm not so sure that it's a good thing to practice every day. I mean, I, I think... In an ideal world, I, I would like to have one day off a week where I don't practice. You know, I think that's a good thing mm -hmm. to have that. You know, just to to gain perspective, to give your hands a rest, to give your mind a rest. You know, to you know, to give your body a rest. You know, 
and also to 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 be more of a human being you know so so when you go when you go back to it you're not you know you have new energies you're more refreshed you know uh, so I think that would be a good thing but because of all the work and it's, it becomes almost impossible to to, to to take days off they happen so they usually by force like days that are where I'm traveling or something you know, those usually are kind of the days off. And, and I do manage to have one every once in a while, but in an ideal world, I would love to have it one day off a week. What does practicing give you? Well, I've noticed that the more I practice, the better I play. <laughs> hmm, I don't know how that happens. <laughs> well, you know, there's a very... Um, I've done it enough now that, I, that I've realized if I practice, I play better. You know, I cannot imagine nowadays a life where, where I wake up and I don't have anything to do and then, you know, nothing to do and then just want, I just, I just think I would die if I had that. Well, yeah, even though I always dreamed that that would be the, the ideal life, now I don't know that I would. So what practicing, practicing actually does for me, it gives you a, yeah, it does give you a certain form to, to, to the day, you know, a certain discipline, you know, mm -hmm. from which you do everything else, you know. I mean, that is my work, it's sort of my roots, I mean, that's what, you know, that's what I am, that's who I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has a huge influence on everything else, I mean, if I practice well, if things are going well, I'm a happier person. If it doesn't, I'm not so, so easy to live with, I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> no. But it's something you cannot help it. I mean, just it's just it's just the nature. It's just that's just the way it is, you know. It's it's very, it's a very much it's an alive thing. It's not the same every day, you know. Even the practice, what I practice, that's that varies, you know. It's not it's not always the same. I'm always not always, but I find myself changing the emphasis, or or I find new ways to practice, and I have different techniques to practice. So just to keep myself, you know, give myself a break, keep myself interested. Mm -hmm. Also, things keep happening. I'll give you an example. Also, with this, I remember running into Pepe Romero one time. You know, and we were talking. I was talking about the Rodrigo, the the concerto, you know, and I said, you know, the same happened to you. What happens to me? Things that were difficult before now they're easy, and things that were easy before now they're difficult. And he said, yeah, yeah, that's the way it is. So at least it's the two of us. That, that seem to think, and that's what's happened. That's what happens. There's there are certain things that I never had any problems with, and now I do. And things I had problems with, now I don't. You know, unfortunately, you tend to find out the things that you didn't have problems with, and also you have problems with. You tend to find them in the concert. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So life as a concert artist seems very romantic. Do you enjoy touring? Not as much as I should. And I probably enjoy enjoy it more than I admit it to myself as well. I think a lot of it is, is really what's in your head. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, to play the guitar and to make music and to go around traveling and playing concerts, it's not a bad way to spend your life. It really isn't. That's as difficult as, of course, it does, you know. But it's it's not bad. But it all depends on what's in your head. You know, with the right attitude, you know, with the right balance, I think... More and more, I find out how important balance is. If, if you find the right balance in your life, and you know, and, and the right attitude, and, and 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 do things in the right way, I think it could be. I think it could be a lot of fun. And I guess whether it's romantic or not, I guess it also depends on, on, on the person. And I mean that in what it is that you like, the, the kind of person you are, what you do, what you don't do, what you enjoy doing, you know. But it certainly gives you, uh, you know, it gives you a lot of opportunities, you know. Sometimes I'm, I'm watching this uh, 
like travel shows and television, is found that most of the time I've been in this place. <laughs> you, know? you know, and it's kind of it's kind of uh, kind of fun to see that. It's kind of fun to see that. Uh, you know, and you have memories associated with the places also. You know, what happened here, what happened there. You know, and the difficult part is is the actual travel, and it's become more so since nine eleven. It's a pain in the neck. You know, it's, you know all the security and everything. It's just so difficult. And that's taken a lot of enjoyment out of it, to be honest, you know, at least for me. What are the qualities that make a great performer? Actually, I was, I was watching a show today about Turner, the painter. And uh, it, it sort of, you sort of realize that, that you could have somebody with an amazing technique who just have nothing to say, you know? Uh, and just not be an artist, I mean, you know, or interesting artists or musicians because they just have nothing to say. They just have this great technique. And you could have somebody who has the potential to be a great artist, but they just don't have the technique. Maybe somebody who's never played the guitar actually has the potential for being the greatest player ever. But that person never found, never found, you know, his or her goal, you know. So I guess that, that makes me think that if you're going to be a, a, a great performer, to be a great performer, not just a famous performer, because I, I, some people can be famous but not great. And the other way around. But let's say a great performer will be somebody who obviously has a technique, you know, to, to carry out and, you know, his or her ideas and, and more, you know, more to be impressive with it. It's somebody who uh, who has something to say and that is not afraid to say it. Some people I find that are blocked. They just cannot come out with a feeling, you know. <laughs> And somebody once told me there's a difference between being cold and, and just not being able to express yourself. You know? mm -hmm. so, so you have to have a technique. You have to have, there has to be something in you that, that, that is interesting. It has something to say. It's probably a combination of, of the emotional, the sensitivity that somebody uh, has and also the intellectual part of understanding, understanding what you're doing. And having an interesting mixture. So anyway, I don't know if I am I, if I if I am answering, but I think it's it's uh, somebody who has something interesting to say, both emotionally and intellectually, and 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 can create something of interest. You know. Now on top of that, if if for some reason or somehow you could have you know a certain charisma as you're on the stage, well, that would be great I mean, if you could have that. But. For somebody like me, I mean, even though I admire when people have that, I'm envious when I see people that have it, you know. I mean, I'm more in it for, for the music than for the, for the artistry. You know? Do you get nervous before concerts? Very much so. And how do you deal with that? Well, I think preparation is important. I think that's, that's uh, if you feel that you can do what you are about to do, I mean, that's, that's helpful. I mean, if you know what you're doing, that, that, that's going to help. And the other thing is just the thought control. To try to stay away from negative thoughts, you know, from from self-doubts, you know. You see, now I'm full of those, and that's probably why I get nervous, you know, much more than I should. Sometimes I'll be nervous in situations that it's, I know I shouldn't be, but still I am. You know, I mean, in people you would never think would make me nervous, and I do, you know. And one thing that is helpful to deal with that is to try to uh, to stay away from yourself, thinking about yourself, you know, and you and how well you're, you, you're going to do or not do. And if you can concentrate more on the music, that's very helpful as well. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of it, 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 
Somebody once said to me that it was an ego thing when one got nervous because you were worried about yourself and how you were going to do. And if you concentrate more on the music, then, then it shouldn't be a problem. And I think there's a certain amount of truth to that. Another example, as a great example, I had a friend that studied with Jean-Pierre uh, Rampal, the flute player. Mm -hmm. And Rampal told him, listen, if you don't get nervous, you play better, so don't get nervous. <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's great advice. <laughs> um, do you have a routine that you like to follow on the day of a performance? Uh, well, in, in, in an ideal day, I, mean, I, I like to relax and to think about it and not to play very much so that my hands are more rested by the time the, the concert comes. And, and you know, just, just, just relax. As a performer, are certain composers easier or more difficult to understand than others? Well, I think that depends on your affinities. I mean, I, mean, I think some people, are, you know, understand certain for composers. You. For me personally, mm -hmm. you know, I feel comfortable with a lot of a lot of different kinds of music. I feel really comfortable with Bach. I feel really comfortable with like classical music, like when I was doing the Mozart thing. I'm very comfortable with that. I am very comfortable with uh, the Spanish things, Latin American things. Now, I uh, am less comfortable sometimes with, with, but this is more like a musical technical thing, with things that are very complicated, in, in, or very complicated rhythms, sort of intellectual 7 over 10 and this and I mean, I find that those killer. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't allow me to relax, you know, when, uh, when I play. Like, there's a piece that, that I love, I think it's a, it's a really pretty piece, which is that Sonatina by, by uh, or Sonata by uh, Berkeley, by Leonard mm -hmm. Berkeley. Yeah. I think it's a charming piece. And, and this, I guess, is an issue also of style. If I play the piece, you know, if I would make it sound too Spanish and, and not English, you know, you know, so it becomes a little bit of, of, of a game of how... Uh, how you think it should sound as opposed to what comes natural to you. Mm. For example, uh, let's say with Villalobos. I've seen some people say, well, such and such a piece of Villalobos comes from such and such a popular dance, which is done like this, so you do it like that. And I think it's a mistake. I think that's the job of the composer to decide what elements of the original music he's going to use and then respect that and see aesthetically what the composer had in mind, not for you to discover what, you know, where it comes from. Nobody hurts to know. And for example, one one case, um, perhaps is a good example, like the, with the Walton Bagatelles, like for example, the third one, that is called, you know, a la Cubana, so it's in the Cuban style. Now I happen to be Cuban. So do I play this as a Cuban, or do I play, do I play the way I think an Englishman sees Cuba? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know? And I actually try to do it the second way. I try to imagine what he may have seen. You know, in fact, there's a theme there that I wonder if he's really seen Cuba, he's seen Hawaii, you know. <laughs> 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 Which are, I guess, both the tropical islands, you know. But, um, and that's also an understanding of style, you know. If, if you're going to play some music from another period in the way that just comes natural to you, in the way that you think, you know, also it should be and let it become natural within yourself. Maybe that's part of the intellectual turn-on. Um, do you feel that composers today, uh, composing for guitar, are composing or writing at the same level as some of the great masters? Well, I'm sure they are. I just don't, I just don't know if I would recognize who they are, you know. 
a lot of composers today, and I'm not, I'm not speaking necessarily about any specific type of composer, I mean just generally classical composers, the best of what we have in the world, not only guitar. I think, in my opinion, a lot of these people have, have techniques that way surpass whatever was done in the past. And it makes sense because they have all that background to learn from. They've seen and they've learned that they have assimilated what Bach did or what Beethoven did or, or what, you know, or Schoenberg did. Or, and a lot of these guys, you know, or gals, I'm sorry, you know, it, I mean, some of them can have really tons of techniques, you know? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they're going to be necessarily great composers because, like, with a the performer, they also need to have something to say. And also, I mean, I think, I think uh, today is also... There are a lot of different trends in classical fields, especially in the U.S., I think. I would not be able to predict right now who would be considered, like, the great composers in the future. Or, mm-hmm. or some of the trends that are going on right now, I can see how they would just disappear, you know? Mm-hmm. What is the funniest or most interesting thing that's ever happened to you on stage? 